Hello, beautiful woman. Welcome to Range Woman, the variety show. Range to me is defined as the ability to take on multiple tasks or projects simultaneously, efficiently, and effectively, whilst being able to tap into and or embody the energetic states required for each of the tasks or projects with ease, flow, and grace. My name is Lala Angela Wang, and it is my intention through featuring a range of amazing women that I have come across in my life to inspire you too to follow your dreams, your desires, and creating the life of your dreams. I am a huge believer that we can all have it all in this lifetime, perhaps just not all at once. So if you so desire, join me on an amazing journey to discover your inner range. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and we are live. Welcome to episode 11 of Range Woman, the variety show. I am your host, Lala Angela Wang, waking up really early this morning (laughs) on a Monday. Um, And today I've got a very special guest for you. Now, if you're wondering what Range Woman actually means, Range Women are simply my definition of some amazing women that are able to flow. I don't use the word um, juggle. I feel like that's still a very sort of masculine and very punchy sort of word. I like to use the word flow between their tasks, responsibilities, multiple passions, and really being able to do it with ease, flow, and most importantly, plenty of pleasure. Pleasure is really the thing, well, it's my thing, whenever I bring a woman into my world, whenever my client comes to me, the first thing that we work on is always tapping into pleasure. To me, pleasure is like the foundation of the building. If you can tap into your pleasure, then everything else can stack on it with ease, flow, and grace. So today, it gives me absolute pleasure to welcome my friend Natalie Roten, who just came out of isolation because she's um, in Melbourne. And really, we're going to talk about all the things, and she's got an amazing story to share with us. So if you're watching, make sure you interact with us because connection is actually really, really important to the both of us. And if you're watching the replay, hashtag range woman, so we can comment, respond, and interact. Now, let me welcome Natalie. Hello, Nat. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Now, I cannot proclaim myself as an early bird because I struggled to get up this morning. And look at you here. You've already done your exercise in the morning. (laughs) Looking amazing as usual. It's taken practice because I'm not usually an early bird either. But I think after having my son, um, I kind of had no choice because he gets up at like 5.30 in the morning. So Oh, wow. So he's the early bird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell me, like I said, you're based in Melbourne, Australia, and mm. you guys have just come out of a long series of isolation. Yeah. What was the first thing that you did out of isolation? Uh, we went to brunch 
that morning. <laughs> so like that first morning back, we booked brunch at our favorite cafe. Um, and it was weird. It was so weird. It was so great to actually drink yeah. coffee out of someone else's mug and like, yeah, you know, just kind of be waited on. And, you know, my, my smashed abo actually looked, um, you know, special instead of just homemade. So <laughs> you had a poached egg on top of it as well. And a poached egg, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we went we went to the cafe and I yeah, I went to Bunnings, that was my first store, but I had to take oh. it slowly because the stores were crazy. So why Bunnings? Yeah. Um there were a couple of things, I think because, and a lot of people have been saying this to me, while we've been in lockdown in Melbourne, everyone's just, like, taken to looking after their backyard more and thinking about, like, how they want their backyard to look. Obviously, we've got more <laughs> to go. So it was really interesting because a lot of people said to me, yes, I want to go to Bunnings because I've finally started to think about my backyard. And wow. so now I can actually go to Bunnings and actually walk around and think about what I want to buy. So it's funny because there were a lot of Melburnians that had said the same. <laughs> it makes sense because we've just spent so much time in our backyard. So Yeah, that's like the only green patch you can look at, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's sad, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting you said that two days ago. Um, I interviewed another Melbourian, um, Carolyn on, and her husband. They've just started a renovation company after running a wedding event company for four years, oh, and wow. it all started because they got bored. So they started um, redecorating Carolyn's mum's place. And because all of their friends has been in Melbourne in lockdown, they all want to redecorate. They all want to do a bit of reno in their homes. So all of a sudden, they're booked out for renovation. <laughs> no way! I, I love hearing those stories about how people have pivoted and in a way that's like transformed their entire life. Mm. Like that's amazing. That's so that's cool. That's beautiful, right? <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. talking about pivoting. You've pivoted quite a bit. So mm -hmm. <laughs> on a little interview form that I asked all of my um, interview guests, I asked this question, what is something that not many people know about you? And on your form, you wrote that you used to be a full-time dancer coming out of school. So tell me about that because you were in some very huge geeks, like the Logie Awards and, yeah. you know. Um Oh, gosh, I always wanted to be a dancer growing up. So I was a very girly girl growing up. I just, and even now, like, I get teary-eyed thinking about, you know, when I go to see a musical or something like that, I'm just like, oh. Um, it was just something, it was my passion. It really was. And I was dancing pretty much, even now my mum and I talk about the fact that I had no life because I was pretty much at the dance studio as mm. a kid almost every day, I every, all day Saturday. So like from 8am in the morning, my mum would drop me off and not pick me up till five in the afternoon. And so I was like really dedicated, but I actually have scoliosis in my back. And so things like my flexibility and just bits and pieces that I actually really struggled with. So other dances, those sorts of things, I suppose, came with ease. Whereas for me, they were, it was really, really hard. Um, and I just felt like I was, it was just always an uphill battle for me. And interestingly too, at the time, I was really um, 
not, I don't like using the word suffering, but I was, I was, I suppose that's when all of my mental health issues Mm. were kind of coming to surface as well. So, you know, I was quite a negative, negative person in that. I suppose I was focusing on the negatives all the time and not the positives. Um, And then after high school, I went in and um, I decided to dance full time and I did a full time course. And I actually, um, a guy had picked me up because, you know, in dance you, you get picked up and thrown around and, <laughs> and he accidentally dropped me and I, and I tore my ankle apart and I was on crutches, like I couldn't walk, I was on crutches for months and that combined with all of my back issues just got me mm. to this place where I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm not finding the joy in this anymore um, and I love to dance but this is such a cutthroat industry. Am I really going to get to where I want to get to? Um, and it was also around about then as well that I just, my, my other passion is travel. So I started traveling the world and I just thought, gosh, if I have to be able to fund myself to travel, um, then I'm going to have to get myself a, a real job. <laughs> because dance, dance pays well when you've got the gigs, but finding the yeah. gigs is the hard thing, right? Um, and so I kind of made the decision at that point to keep teaching. Um, so I, you know, I'm still a qualified dance teacher, but, um, I kind of, yeah, made the decision to, I suppose, leave my agency and walk away from that side of things and pursue something else. And it's it's something actually, that whole experience throughout my teenage years and my early 20s, it's recently been coming back, not to haunt me, but I've really been having to unpack it because I've realised that a lot of my fears at the moment actually have mm. stemmed from everything I went through then um, you know, the fear of failure and the fear of not being able to get back up and not actually be able to pursue what it is I really want to do mm. in life. Um, yeah, so it's it, it was an interesting time and I, I still find it difficult sometimes to watch dance on stage because it kind of breaks my heart a little bit that I didn't mm. get to that point that I wanted to get to. But um it's also something really cool that I did that you know not a lot of people get to experience being part of that industry and Hmm. so I am you know I do see the blessing in it as well but yeah it was an interesting time (laughs) I totally get it though so um back in high school I used to sing operatically oh wow and at one stage it was essentially a crossroad between picking buildings or singing Mm -hmm. and wow I just had I was like you, I was like, this is too much of a cutthroat industry and opera singers don't normally last that long. So by the age of the oldest, especially in soprano, because your voice can only be worked on for so long. Yeah, right. 35, 40 is probably the max. And that's how I choose the building route. But, yeah, I get it. Whenever I watch it, you know, a performance and things, I'm like, there's just this part of me that's kind of like you're missing a piece of you yes so yeah no I understand that (laughs) yeah 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 it's yeah that's exactly it it is it's like this little piece of you that's not quite there but Mm. but at the same time you wouldn't have it any other way right like you you know that your life is great the way it is and you wouldn't change anything but Mm. yeah oh well maybe someday we'll go back to it (laughs) But you have got a really extraordinary story. And reading your bio, I really believe it's a story that needs to be shared. Mm -hmm. You know, we all look at your life now and go like, oh, my God, Nat, you've got the most awesome 
lifestyle, you know, you've got a lovely family and, you know, you're always energetic and bubbly. But life isn't always that way. Mm. Um, So you had a pivotal moment about 11 years ago. Tell Mm. us about who you were before that. Yeah. And what was the moment that you just went no more? I was a chronic people pleaser to, I mean, this was, so I was, this was, I was with my first husband about 12 years ago. I was, I was in a marriage that wasn't good for me. Um, Mm. I'd had, we'd had a child very early on. So I had a a, a six month old. We were recently married. Um, I was, you know, my ex-husband actually wasn't getting along with my family and I was really caught in the middle and I was people pleasing on both sides to the point that I was actually physically sick. My hair was falling out. I was vomiting. Um, I just couldn't, you know, I, you know, I could, because I was caught in this almost crossroads of people not liking each other, but I so desperately wanted them to, that I was just constantly mm. everyone. Um, and I was very, like I said before, I was a bit of a, um, cup half empty kind of person so I was kind of almost always focusing on the negative rather than the positive I was very upbeat and I've always been um extroverted but I I suppose the experiences that I'd had with my depression and anxiety and all those mental health conditions you know had really kind of rocked me um anyway it got to the point where my husband my ex-husband and I separated and I was literally sleeping on my parents' couch. So I walked away with nothing. I just I just left. Um, and I had no car, no furniture, nothing. I did have a job, so I was I was lucky with that. But they were also not willing to promote me because I was a single parent and they didn't see that as being um, you know, there was just all this kind of discrimination as well happening in the mm. background. And um I, you know, I was lying on my parents couch one night thinking oh my gosh like I'm nearly 30 and this is my life right now like this is just what has happened where has life taken me um and I actually called um so in Australia we have Centrelink I don't know um if there's anyone not from Australia but we we have Centrelink and we call them when obviously we um become a single parent we need to start relying on maybe um, welfare and I actually happened to get on the phone and speak to this amazing person which you wouldn't think from Centrelink because we get so many people <laughs> complaining about that service but the gentleman that I spoke to was so amazing and he was like have you ever thought about going back to university because um, as a single parent it means that not only do, will you get the benefits that we can give you but also um, you can go to university and your son can pretty much go to childcare for almost nothing Mm. um you know you only have to work three days like we worked it all out and it would me going back to university and getting a degree in something would mean that I only had to work three days a week I was studying to do something I was passionate about because I knew I couldn't be in that industry anymore um Mm. because I was kind of being a bit discriminated against and um and it would also mean that my son was going to get looked after Um, And that whole thing, that just changed my life. Suddenly I had this opportunity to do something really new and I just saw it as this complete chance to start on a clean slate and actually really think about what I wanted to do, not Mm. what everyone else wanted me to do. And that was huge. Um, And so I went back to university studying health science and, um, you know, saved my butt off um, and 
bought my first house, which was amazing. So I finally managed to buy a house, get off my parents' couch. Um, <laughs> that was a huge thing. And um, and then I suppose that the thing I suppose that really then transformed my thinking, I have to say, is I did this, I decided that I didn't want Kobe to have, you know, the same sort of, I wanted him to have more resilience than I did mm. at the time. I wanted him to kind of be able to have a good attitude towards life. And so I started this project called 365 Days of Blessings. Oh. And every day I took a photo of something and posted it on Instagram, something that I was thankful for with like a little caption. And I decided to use Instagram to be kind of my accountability. So, you know, people would kind of start to get used to me posting this and, and kind of, I suppose, um, yeah, kind of always be looking out for it. And yeah, it was amazing. It kind of, I suppose, having to actually think about what I was grateful for every single day, just it really pushed me to to find the good in everything, even in the really, tra you know, tragic, awful stuff. So um, that whole experience kind of really reshaped the way I thought. And um, yeah, I'm so glad I did that because I suppose it was that year of really having to self-reflect that really made me go, okay, um, it is possible to find peace mm. and happiness even when things are hard and tough. You yeah. know, I was still a single parent. I had nothing. You know, we've got motor neuron disease in our family and my auntie passed away that year and that had all become very confronting for our family, um, knowing that genetically we all kind of were predisposed to this. And mm. so it was a really tough year, but actually I'm so glad I did that because it, yeah, it just completely changed my mindset. And I haven't looked back since really. So yeah, things have just kind of, it really is that whole law of attraction. Like mm. the more I kind of dove into that stuff, the more um, good stuff happened. And yeah, it, it's it's amazing what a vision board even can do. <laughs> well, just like the one behind you. <laughs> yeah, this, is my, this is my, this year's one, yep. Awesome. Mm. Now, you talk about resilience and, you mm. know, from what from an outsider's perspective, looking at your life now, I will say you're a pretty resilient person. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Um, what's the definition of resilience and, and how do you think for someone who thinks perhaps they don't have as much as they need it to be, how do you build on resilience? That's such a good question. And actually, it's funny you ask that because my definition has recently changed. Mm. So... When I used to think of resilience, I used to think of strength all the time, mm. right? Um, and to some degree it is, um, but I work now in the mental health sector and something that I've learned from a lot of the clinicians around me, um, which has really opened my eyes up a bit, is the fact that we, we also need to view resilience as the entire journey. So, and Brene Brown talks a lot about this, mm. about the rising strong process. So being resilient doesn't mean being strong all the time. It actually means being okay with also being vulnerable and finding a way back up. It's not about your ability to just bounce back. It's mm. about your ability to be in that moment and still find a way, um, you know, to rise back up. And I suppose to just go through that entire process um, as well as you can. It's not because I think, you know, when we tell people too often that they just have to get back up, get back up, be strong, be strong, and we don't allow people to also sit in that moment 
and mm. be okay with being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, we almost attract a certain stigma to it and rather than, I suppose, embrace the fact that people do suffer from mental health conditions, mm. you know, um, we're kind of almost expecting everyone's always going to be on the up and that's just, <laughs> it's just not reality, right? <laughs> so, yeah, it, my, my definition's definitely changed and I'm still... I'm still looking for ways to communicate that to my audience mm. and to, because I, I think that, you know, that's just something that society has taught us um, when it comes to resilience and it's, you know, it is still about strength but I think we need to just be a lot more open about what that strength looks like and the fact that there is strength in being vulnerable as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's like um, Brene Brown has a really famous saying, she's like, you know, being strong is about having a soft front where you still have mm. compassion, you still have love, but have a, a strong back where you can actually back yourself and support yourself and knowing that you're on the right path. And um, another coach I follow, Melanie and Leah, what she talked about is you have to have the polarities in life. You could mm. be celebrating your biggest month, but at the same time, there, there could be the sadness or the, you know, the emotions that's, that perhaps society seems as negative but without the negative you cannot see the polarities of the happiness the joy and the beauty in life so I 100% agree like we can't just all be like this it's tiring Mm, yeah yeah it's tiring I've got a nickname for energizer bunnies but guess what we run our batteries as well and it's what happens when you can predict I'm about to run on a battery. I think it's not now to sort of go back to my docking station and recharge. Yeah. That yeah. I think is what gives us true resilience. It's not that pushing through. And and so I really do agree with what you were saying. Yeah. And yeah. that is so good. Yeah. And it's really about connection too, right? Like I think if we I think for me, connection's a huge value. And I mm. really um, you know in the work that I do for me, connection is one of the core things. And I feel like you can't connect with people if you're not able to be vulnerable. Um, I think people, you know, we connect through story and we connect Mm. through knowing that people do have their ups and downs. And I think people feel less connected with you when you're feel, when you're just on one certain level all the time. So there's that element of wanting to be able to connect with people on a more deeper personal level. And I, I really feel like, yeah, being okay with, with the ebbs and flows is, mm. is really important to that. Yep. Now you talk about um, you're now working in the mental health sector and having mm. sort of gone through it yourself. I've been through depression myself as well. And what I'm finding is it's not that sometimes it's not that the society doesn't accept people with mental health. It's more, we don't know what to do when mm. people that we love, that we care about, suffers from mental health. So instead of going forward and go, how are you? How can I support you? People tend to go backwards because they're too scared that they're going to almost trigger a bomb and then yeah. everything's going to explode. So what's your suggestion for, number one, someone who's facing perhaps they, they've got a sense that they are suffering from mental health issues and what do you say to the friends and families that really want to care? Oh, such a good question. Um, <laughs> and it's it's actually, I get it. It's really tough. I Even though I've been through mental health issues myself, I still find it really, really difficult to approach that subject with other people when I think maybe they need support as well. Mm. Um, because 
everyone's mental health journey is really unique too. And so, and I think that's where a lot of people's fear comes from is that what might trigger me might not trigger someone else. And, um, you know, some people like to talk, some people don't. Um, I think as a person, if you feel you are going, heading downhill and you feel like you just can't get up and it might be something as simple as just your energy levels, um, you know, just what what it is you're saying to yourself, like really thinking about what it is you're saying to mm. yourself, and, you know, what sort of words you're, you're using. And I think, you know, get started as soon as possible on the process of finding someone to talk to. I would say don't worry about anything else except finding someone that resonates with you that you can talk mm. to because I think um, people assume that I'll just find a therapist, I'll start speaking to them and it'll be fine. And actually the reality is is that it can actually take quite a long time to find someone in your life that you can speak to ongoing mm. um, because we don't always resonate and sometimes it can take people up to a year to find a therapist or a psychologist or even a friend that they feel oh, comfortable wow. talking with. And so I feel like the moment, you know, the moment you think you might need help, get on that bandwagon of finding that help straight away, even if you're not completely sure, because you may not find that person straight away. And I think what mm. happens sometimes is that, you know, people wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait to find someone to talk to. And then finally they get to the point where they're desperate. And then the first person that they're referred to just doesn't suit them. And they're like, mm. oh, for me, I can't do it. And then it just snowballs from there and it gets worse and worse and worse. Mm. Um, so I think finding someone that you can talk to really early on is key. And I think for the people around them, um, it's a fine balance between not enabling them. So for instance, um, my mom, I'm so lucky that I had her. She is a real stoic, strong, um, she's actually, you know, a don't cry woman. Um, so sometimes <laughs> her and I butt heads, but when I was really depressed, I was about, I was in my early twenties. I was probably about 2021 20, and I actually didn't get out of bed for about three weeks. Um, wow. It was really bad. And my mum actually was like taking days off and literally physically pulling me out of bed and, and making me go places because she was like, I'm not having you do this. And at the time I was just, I wanted to throttle her and <laughs> kick her and scream. And, but looking back, that's the best, that was the best thing for me it, because rather than just kind of ignore what was going on, um, she really forced me to start moving my body and moving again. Mm. Um, but I think also, you know, you do have to be kind of, there are times when you do just have to let a person cry and be okay with that and be okay with not knowing what the answer is because mm. as people that, and you probably know this too, like having gone through depression and anxiety, we don't always want people to give us an answer. It's not what we're looking no. for. We just want people to listen, right, and just be okay with listening and just be understanding and say, yeah, it's, it's shit. It's really shit. And not have an answer. Um, when people would say to me, oh, what are you upset about? Don't worry. You've got a great life. When you say things like that, it just adds this whole yeah. thing of guilt onto what you're yeah. already feeling. Um, because you know, deep down that life is, your life is actually pretty good. You know that, but depression is, is a chemical imbalance. It's an illness. Mm. And so it's very hard for us to let those worlds 
collide and be okay with that. And I think, yeah, I think as, as people that are around those people, I think sometimes you, you yourself just have to be okay with not having the answers and just yeah. saying to someone, I'm here, I'll just listen, no judgment. Um, I totally get it. And I'm not going to tell you what you should be doing. Um, mm. I'm just going to let you be, you know? Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, just keep a real close eye on them, a real close mm. eye and just keep watching and just yeah just make sure they know they can they can call out to you anytime really. and i think if we know the person enough um like your mom for example you kind of intuitively know what you need to do at a certain stage you yeah. know when it gets bad enough you'll know what you need to do in order to pull that person out and i'm glad you talked about how your mom got you to keep moving because i think movement is still in your blood really and it's really interesting this morning when i so when I get up in the morning, my first thing is to come up with my um, intention for the day. Yeah. And today was actually movement. And I was like, ah, how timing? I'm interviewing that at the moment. And, you know, before we jump on, I asked you what your exercise routine is for the morning. And you talked about Tracy Anderson's method. Yeah. And I'm very tell us more because I've never heard of her and I've certainly never yeah. heard of her method. So um, I was doing a lot of HIIT workouts and gym workouts and I still love the gym. I don't, I actually am pretty open to how I move my body. Like I just mm. love moving, whether it's in the water or whatever. But I was finding, um, you know, I just recently turned 40 and as I've just been finding as I've been getting older and obviously a little bit more hormonal and things are changing a little bit. I just was finding I was feeling really physically sick with the full-on mm. classes and the, um, the you know, the high-intensity cardio. And my body, even though I loved doing it, my body was just like, hell no, like this is... <laughs> Fuck <laughs> this. <laughs> um, and so, you know, this whole lockdown process, actually, I was like, right, what can I do that... Um, you know, is still getting me moving and still burning calories and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, and I'm really, I love weightlifting. So I, I, mm. I get really addicted to actually lifting weights and things like that. Um, and I knew the Tracy Anderson method because it's actually, she's actually an ex-dancer. Mm. And she used to train like Gwyneth Paltrow and Madonna and all those. So she oh, used wow. to be a pretty trainer. But now she actually just trains. She's got studios all over America and when they went into lockdown, she kind of like really honed in on her online studio that she runs. So, yeah, I just, I, um, I signed up with her and that's really a mixture. It's really, it's a bit more low intensity, which I love. Um, and all she uses is um, hand weights, like um, two pound hand weights mm -hmm. and ankle weights. And so oh. all you need is weights and a mat. And um, it's just low intensity dance moves with weight. And then you go on the floor and you do a bit of mat work. And it's very much like, it's a little bit almost like dance with Pilates with kind of like bar work. If anyone's done a, a, a um, dance bar class before, um, it's kind of all around that. So, and I've just been finding that my muscle definition's gotten really good and um she's very holistic in how she thinks so she'll do like end of class lectures and she'll talk about the fact that I want you to tune in on your body and I want you to really listen to what's going on and you know it's not just about you moving the way I'm moving and eating really well it's also about you you know acknowledging what's going on inside of you mm. and really um, being okay with that so she actually has quite a lot of people 
working out with her that are going through like really tough illnesses and things like that because she does a lot of she doesn't talk throughout her classes or anything she she just literally you're following her and that's it because she wants you to have that inner dialogue with yourself which I really love um because you you tend to and you tend to unpack things when you're moving your body right like when yeah you're, I talk uh, to myself a lot <laughs> Yeah, you do. Like if you're running or if you're swimming or whatever it is you're doing, most people tend to find that during that time of movement, they're reflecting on things and they're talking about Mm. things. They're they're either saying to themselves, you know, you've got this, this is good, you you could do another round, or they're maybe being quite negative towards themselves. And she kind of almost forces you to reflect on that a bit. And um yeah it's been a really cool process I, I highly recommend it actually you've definitely got me interested I'm just like I'm gonna check it out <laughs> yeah the price as well it's really really worth it for what you get so I'd hi- I yeah if someone's looking for something that's a little bit more low-key but you're still gonna burn calories and mm. get that kind of muscle definition and strength and I, I highly recommend it mm. so tell me about your business and what mm. is your focus on because I think of you as a holistic coach as well. Like yeah. you, just, you, just, you don't just, okay, here's my morning conversation in my head. <laughs> you don't just teach people a certain things. And in fact, in your bio, you wrote about how you are a, what did you call yourself? <laughs> I actually really love that. You called yourself a goal setting extraordinaire. Yeah, goal digging extraordinaire. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not just, it's not just about goal setting or it's not just about, you know, being the best version of you, it's actually about creating a holistic lifestyle that's creating your own balance, really, Mm. you know, the mind, body, spirit kind of approach. So for those of you who don't know you, for those those of us that don't know you, (laughs) tell us a bit more about what you do and, you know, what do you bring to the woman in your world? So actually, I've just undergone, I'm still undergoing a huge transformation in my branding and who I am, um, because actually, it started out for me last year, I had a friend say to me, um, would you mind running a goal setting workshop for the crew that I train, um, do physical training with? Um, and I am one of these unicorns that actually loves public speaking. So, like, I've got no problem with getting up there and talking. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I just got up there and I just I love that being able to motivate people but in a real, raw, honest way. So um, I I know I, I, lo- I have, I suppose, what they call the gift of encouragement. So I, I've mm. got no problem with going up to a stranger and, saying god you look amazing like i love that dress or you know like i've i just i really love being able to do that for people and so that kind of how it all started and i started kind of unpacking what that looks like and you know what could i do that is a bit different and um isn't just motivational speaking and at the time i was um in the health industry but not necessarily in mental health and i was working Mm. in a continuous improvement space and that's really that whole model for improvement is around Um, goal setting and um, planning your goals and understanding the habits that you have to have in your organization and what Mm. it was all very um, corporate but I wanted to take that and actually make it personal because I felt like that model for improvement in the health industry is something that we're all naturally doing anyway um, in some form um, but people just haven't really been able to I suppose identify it and work work make it work in their lives Mm. 
so you know i um i started off just doing a little bit of one-on-one coaching and you know running workshops and doing dabbling here and there and um earlier this year i realized as well that i was quite holistic in what I do because I'm also very much about, you know, you need to have your physical health in order for your mental health and spiritual Mm. health, everything to kind of connect. Um, So I've been working very closely with a branding coach and um, really kind of redefining my values. And it turns out that the very core value at the heart of everything for me is adventure. Um, Ah. Finding adventure in every day. And, you know, everything else that I value, like um, resilience and um, and the simpleness of life and freedom and all these other things and being unapologetic kind of all tied in with this feeling of adventure and wanting other women um, to experience, I suppose, um, finding the adventure in today and not waiting for tomorrow. So mm. not waiting for, not having happiness as the outcome but as part of the process every day. And so, yeah, so now I'm creating an online course, which is really about, um, you know, helping women to kind of work through that and become leaders in their life. Mm. So I really feel like, you know, we're all leaders to some capacity, whether it's in business or whether it's in our personal life or whatever that might be. And so it's really kind of unpacking that for people and allowing them to make the impact they want to have in the world, um, but doing it in a way that's still really healthy for them. Um, mm. and, you know, I think if we're all living the best life we can live, that other people will naturally be attracted to that. And yeah. um, it's almost like a ripple effect, right? When you're when you're doing some, when you're doing good work, you're planting seeds, and those seeds are. Are sprouting elsewhere as well so yeah yeah so it's really exciting actually oh my I'm god really- i am so excited about that and seeing how your brand has evolved over time now how yeah. do you do all that whilst you know having a family <laughs> having a child how do you do it because i know a lot of people ask me the same question when they look at my life how do you mm-hmm. just like have a, a corporate career run a business do your podcast well i think for me i've got my answer but the reason I've got this podcast is also to get the answers from other speakers, understand how we all do it differently. So I would love to hear from you. How do you yeah. flow between the yeah. various tasks and responsibilities and passions that you have? Yeah. And I have to say, I actually watch you, Lala, and think the same thing. I'm like, <laughs> oh, she's got this girl. Like, she's just on her floor. Oh, God. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. Thank so. You. <laughs> One of the first things I teach um, the women that I work with is that you might think multitasking was the best way to go, and it is not. Um, (laughs) The reality is we can have it all. I believe that we just maybe can't have it all at once. And this goes Mm. back to what we were talking before about you might be doing really well in your business, but there might be another part of your life that's not great at the same time. And it's really us being able to be okay with that and really, I suppose, focusing and prioritising on what's in front of us there and then. Um, so being really intentional with our day and and going, okay, these are the things that I want to get done today. What's the priority? So, you know, mm. there might be a 
say where my priority has to be my son because he's not well and everything else has to go out the window. You know, there might be a day where it's really about getting work done and, you know, there's a lot going on at work. So my priority is just going to be that. Um, and I think the thing that I really learned in lockdown is why am I so, why am I rushing all the time? Why am I mm. rushing? What am I rushing for? Because ultimately, um, there's there's no deadline. I'm not, you know, there's no kind of if you don't do it by then, that's it. There's there's mm. actually none of that really when it comes down to it. So um, I think it's kind of it's being okay with just taking it one step at a time and not focusing on everything all at once. Um, I mean, there's also a lot of science behind it, which I won't go into, but there's that whole science behind the fact that when we multitask and we're trying to do too many things at once, our brain is actually taking a lot longer to come back into focus, mm. which means we can actually lose up to something like 30 minutes a day, they say, in terms of just multitasking because we're yeah. we're flicking between things. And I always mm. think to myself when I get caught up in that hustle kind of mentality of doing too much at once, I have to remind myself that actually I can get more done if I can just focus on doing this first, get that done, move on to the next thing. Mm. Um, and just really learning how to prioritise and, and thinking to myself, you know, how badly does this need to get done right now? And, and yeah, and, and, and being okay with just spending some time to just find the joy in what we're doing, right, and just enjoying it, enjoy the process and, you know, be okay where there's going to be days where you're not so productive and then mm. be okay where there's days where you're feeling really good about things and, and utilising those times to, like, you know, get things done. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, it's a real focus on being intentional rather than thinking, being in that trap that we tend to yeah. get trapped into in, as women in thinking that, you know, sitting on the toilet whilst doing your son's homework and texting <laughs> is like a really good thing to do, which actually it's not. Like, you know, it sounds ridiculous. Well, first of all, your son should be doing his own homework. But I actually have learnt now to just go to the bathroom without anything and just be there. Like, don't go to the bathroom thinking I need to, oh, well, I might as well use this time to do this. this, this. <laughs> no, Natalie, just go to the bathroom. Be in the bathroom. Like, it's fine. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, just just focus on one thing at a time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I love the bathroom analogy because how we all know, right, how often do we bring our phone into the bathroom and yes. a five-minute exercise turns into 30 minutes? Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. I'm just going to scroll through this thing one more time. <laughs> I know. I know. It's ridiculous. But we feel as women compelled to do it, I think, more so mm. than men because we, there is so much expected of us. And so I, I get it. I really do get it. And it takes a it takes a long time to get yourself out of thinking, multitasking and thinking the other way around. But, you know, like it's I actually created a planner for my audience based on that fact that I only oh. want them to think of three intentions every day, yeah. nothing else, because I think it's so important that um, it's, it's good to have to-do lists, but not to the point where you're breaking your back for it mm. and thinking, like if you don't get it done today, it's the end of the world. Um, and it's so it's common though. I'm seeing it with all of my clients. It will come to me. Um, I think us as women, we're so good at beating ourselves up as well when we don't mm. achieve the things that we set out to. Like you've got a to-do list this long and so often I see my client coming to me and go like, 
I suck. I'm like, why do you suck? Because I haven't finished off my to-do list. I'm like, well, let's just have a look at this. How many things have you got on your to-do list? And are they physically possible to be completed all in one day? Yeah. And so I love and I I am an advocate of the three things as well. And some days I even say to my client at the beginning of their journey, one thing. Just do yeah. one thing a day. And once you get handle on the one thing, we then do two things. Because then it's like you said, this your day is so much more intentional. You're so mm. much happier with yourself. And mm. you're able to sort of let it go so much easier because you know you only set out to do one thing. And guess what? It's more likely than not that you're taking off more things on your list than when you're multitasking. Oh, totally. Because it really is like what you were just talking about. It's a confidence thing. Mm. So you lose confidence when you've got a to-do list that's too long and you're not ticking things off as opposed to you're building traction when you can tick things off and then so you are building your confidence. And so, you know, then you become in you become within that flow state, right, that, mm. that you talk about. So you know, it is about also understanding that, you know, if you do have too much on your plate, you are going to lose your confidence yeah. and that's then going to stop you from progressing and moving mm. forward. Mm. Yeah, that is so good, Nair. Thank you so much for all your golden nuggets. No, so, <laughs> so if someone wanted to work with you, how can we find you? How do we work with you? Where are all the places that we can find you? So you can find me on Instagram. Instagram is my favorite form of social media because I'm a very visual person. So um, at Nat Jacoba, um, J-A-C-O-B-A. Um, you can also find me on Facebook under Natalie Roten um, or my also my business page, Natalie Jacoba. Um, I also have a Facebook group called Everyday Greatness and I'd be happy for people to join that as well. And you can find that through my, my business page. And I do have a website, but it's kind of under construction at the moment. Um, so I'm finding that that's kind of my my main method of communication is through the social media at the moment um, and LinkedIn as well. But yeah, that's me. Amazing. So you hang out on all the platforms that I hang out anyway. <laughs> Pretty much, they, yeah. they are pretty good. Like I'm, I'm starting to love Instagram now. Um, at the beginning, I was just like, I don't get this thing, but it's actually really intuitive and, and, and so much fun. And I love following your journey on your Instagram as well. Um, you are definitely a visual person because everything just so beautifully put together. Thank you <laughs> once again, Nat. I, I really appreciate you coming on so early. Well, it's probably not early for you, but <laughs> still, thank you for taking time out of your busy day and. Um, enjoy life after lockdown <laughs> go out enjoy yeah, the weather's beautiful it's great and hopefully i get to come to um, melbourne and see you soon yeah. i have not been to melbourne for like i think five years so i need to come down over and see you guys yeah we're well, <laughs> up soon so that's good awesome Yay. well have a gorgeous day and i will see all of you tomorrow bye Are you inspired to start taking action towards your next big dreams and expand your range so you can create a life of your dreams? The Womanly Way Mastermind is my six month group coaching plus one-on-one -on -one program where I help and support women increase their range, finding balance in their life, finding self-confidence as well as taking them through each and every step towards their next big dreams. 
If you're interested, please contact me through all of my social media platforms or you can email me direct on Angela at AngelaWang.com.au. I am super excited and I can't wait to help and support you through this next chapter of your life and support you through expansion, growth and embodiment. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening on. Share this podcast with your friends and follow at The Womanly Way on Instagram for glimpse behind the scenes, teasers of upcoming content, and juicy snippets of the best interviews. Or if you prefer to watch the show live and interact with my guest and I, Feel free to follow me on Facebook or YouTube at Angela Wang, The Womanly Way. Catch you in the next episode.